Good morning, Connecticut, and to all our friends across the sound and everybody celebrating Easter and Passover holidays this weekend. It's Director of Public Affairs, John Boquette. Thanks for tuning in to our award-winning public affairs program for the people, bringing you the latest information to help address concerns in our communities tied to youth, the economy, public health and safety, aging, education, and the environment. Well, this morning, we appropriately opened the show celebrating new life with the Childbirth Center at Griffin Hospital. Stick around and hear about the free annual baby fair coming up next weekend and how Griffin Hospital has become among the first hospitals in Connecticut to continue high-level physical and emotional care for babies and moms long after the baby is born. Then we head to Danbury to explore the offices and programs of Family and Children's Aid, which serves thousands and thousands of youths and families in crisis all over Western and Central Connecticut, with dozens of proven programs and support systems, including a number of activities like next weekend's Love Hope Yoga Festival and a series of children's baseball clinics featuring former major leaguers mixing it up with the young players in attendance. And then we'll close inviting you to get a little wet and dirty while helping keep the environment in and around the lower Housatonic River clean by participating in next weekend's Stratford Green Sweep and Housatonic River Cleanup. They'll need crews and trucks and boats and other watercraft. So listen up and find out how you can be part of the action. We'll be back with these segments and more on the award-winning For the People with me, John Voquette, right after this reminder. You've heard us mention these events regularly. If you're seeking information on how to plan for future long-term care costs, you're going to want to attend the next public forum called The Missing Link in Retirement Planning, Why and When to Consider Long-Term Care Insurance. The forum's coming up May 9th at the Windsor Public Library in Windsor, Connecticut. The program starts at 6, doors open at 5.30. The State of Connecticut, in conjunction with the Windsor Public Library, presents this free two-hour session that's open to the general public and no insurance sales are going to take place at the forum. You'll benefit from this event if you are between 40 and 65 years of age and have or plan to have assets of at least $75,000, excluding your car and home. To register for the program, you can call 800-547-3443 or just register online by clicking the public forum link at ctpartnership.org. Well, uh, we are, I guess guess it's appropriate that we're going to be uh, uh, here on Easter morning talking about the beginning of new life, and uh, it it fits perfectly uh, that we've been invited over to uh, meet a brand new friend of the award-winning For the People here at the Childbirth Center at Griffin Hospital in Derby. I'm so pleased to make the uh, acquaintance of Marge Fisher, who actually has more certification letters after her name than the entire body of her actual name. So, uh, Suffice to say, she is clinical director of the Childbirth Center and is uh, uh, highly qualified. But uh, I will ask you, Marge, how qualified are you? Tell us a little about yourself and your background. So I've been a nurse for more years than I can say, but I've been a maternity nurse for over 30 years. I started in Norwalk Hospital on the OB unit, and I've been at Griffin Hospital for three years, three and a half years now as the clinical director. I was in management at Norwalk as well. OB nursing has been the love of my life. There's some exciting events as well as some regular uh, activities that you have here for folks uh, in the Childbirth Center at Griffin. The big one, uh, which is coming up uh, as we broadcast this on Easter next uh, weekend, Saturday, April 27th, uh, tell us about this upcoming baby fair. 
So every year we have an annual baby fair. It's designed for moms-to-be, moms that just had babies, and moms that want to have babies. Um, We have over 28 vendors coming this year. There's anything from our community resources to books for babies, gifts for moms and babies, and a lot of informational booths, um, car seat safety, and how to set up your car seats immunizations and vaccines, photographers for newborns. It's very well attended. We usually have over 200 people coming, and we give we have a huge raffle with lots of nice prizes. We also give tours of the childbirth center. Um, everybody seems to want to see, you know, what goes on up here, and it's, it's a great event. It's from 10 to 2 on Saturday, April 27th. So uh, are there actually going to be um – uh, pol- police officers or other specialists here that can uh, advise and help uh, young parents or soon-to-be parents on how to uh, get that car seat effectively uh, put in and out of these uh, many different kind of uh, crazy car configurations? There won't be any police here, but we have car seat safety certified technicians that will be here, and they actually have a, a car seat in their display, and they teach people how to put their car seats in and out. Oh, okay. And you said uh, vaccines. Is that just going to be information, or will you actually be offering vaccines at that time? It's the information. It's what vaccines are recommended at birth and through toddler and adolescence. Great. Uh, let's veer off just for a couple minutes because uh, vaccines are so much in the news lately, and we have this uh, exploding uh, measles uh, situation, which is now proliferating across the country. Uh, I, I just want to take advantage of your expertise, although we didn't plan for this because uh, you, you've been doing this for so long, and I'm sure uh, in the many years that you've been a, a nurse, uh, Marge, that y- you really – uh, understand uh, both the the fear that parents can have of the unknown when it comes to vaccines, but you have the experience and the time in on the job to be able to have seen probably new young parents uh, who may have actually been born here at Griffin Hospital uh, themselves. So uh, t- talk to me a little bit about uh, what you think is scaring parents and, and maybe a little bit about uh, what you would advise them in terms of calming their fears. So there is a lot of media attention, Facebook, Instagram, news articles about vaccines and how some um, infants have been damaged by getting vaccines. That has never been proven in the scientific literature that it's been associated with vaccines. We will would never force somebody into getting anything that they didn't want to. Parents are encouraged to make an informed decision about getting vaccines for their their infants, we highly encourage them, but we educate the parents, and then it's ultimately their decision to to vaccinate their children. And one of the things that we're hearing in terms of uh, the measles situation now is that there's a concern, not as much for the individual who uh, may be the first contractor of the measles, but who they might spread that measles to. And so I guess the uh, demographic to talk with you about are these newborn to the age when they can get a vaccine if the parents choose to do that. What's going on in the physiology of a young baby, a newborn, that um, really it's it's unsafe and, and they should not be getting vaccines until a certain age? 
newborns have some immunity levels from their mom when they're born, and that usually lasts for several months. Mm-hmm. So the likelihood of getting something that severe as a newborn in the first few months is unlikely. But as time goes on, um, babies that are not vaccinated do have a chance of catching it from somebody else. The measles outbreak right now is is horrible because it's so contagious and people that are not vaccinated are rampantly getting the measles. Mm. And and uh, e- anyone who's kind of immunocompromised can contract measles uh, from anyone who gets it, whether it's a child or an adult. Yes, it, it's contagious to everybody. And uh, what is the age at which uh, the MMR is first uh, administered uh, for, a, for the youngest uh, child? I'm not exactly sure. I think it's about a year or 18 months. Oh, okay. So most of their uh, – their, uh, if the parent chooses to get the vaccine, essentially for most of their uh, lives, they're covered. Correct. Well, thank you for that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Childbirth Center here at Griffin. Uh, now, you uh, we talked a little bit before we turned the mic on. You came from Norwalk. Have you, You've always been in the, uh, uh, the childbirth arena as a specialist? Uh, yes. I did work as a surgical nurse a little bit before my OB rotations at Norwalk. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, what is offered here at the Childbirth Center at Griffin. Um, This whole unit is designed, as well as our care model, to be a plain tree unit. We follow um, patients first and making the patients feel comfortable and safe while giving them expert care is our goal. We have a cozy atmosphere. We have a jacuzzi. The rooms are designed like home. We try to hide all the technical equipment. Um, The nursing staff is at the bedside. The parents are well-informed about everything that's going on. We work in collaboration with the doctor and the the nurse and the patient to to determine what kind of pain medication the patient wants. If they don't want any pain medication, we adhere to their birth plans. Um, We have many modalities for making them comfortable. We have strolling musicians up here to calm them down. We can have them get massages. Um, We involve them in every aspect of their care and try to make them as as comfortable as possible. We have open visitation hours after they give birth. The significant others are invited to stay overnight. They have beds for them. We even have some double beds that the dads can sleep with the moms if they wish to. We have a spacious family room, and we have bakers that even come around with brownies and cookies um, to offer to the patients and their families. Sounds like uh, a situation that uh, uh, new parents might not want to leave. <laughs> that is true. There are some parents that never want to leave. Yeah. Um, well, tell me, uh, you said the jacuzzi, that's for relaxation. But, uh, you know, I, I've heard over the years about uh, some of the I- innovative ways that folks are choosing to uh, birth their babies, including uh, actually uh, having the babies uh, while they're immersed in water. We use our jacuzzi for relaxation during labor. We don't do water births. There are some hospitals in Connecticut that do water births. Not right here right now. But you do do conventional and C-sections here? Yes, we do C-sections, and that is a um, push in the OB world to reduce the C-section rate. Um, They have changed the guidelines on on laboring moms, and we are allowing them to labor a little bit longer as long as the baby and mom are safe. And it has reduced our C-section rate. 
Yeah, tell me a little bit more about that because I'm hearing uh, that uh, advancements in uh, anesthetics and things like that are really uh, making a big difference in the moms being able to tolerate that little bit of extra time instead of rushing to C-section. One of the things we've implemented in the past couple of years is nitrous oxide analgesia. So it's not the same as the dental mix when you get nitrous or laughing gas at the dentist. It's a gentler um, mixture of the nitrous and oxygen, and it helps the moms relax. It's not meant as a pain management, but it's meant as a taking you out of yourself so that you can relax more, and the moms love it. Mm. We use it for early labors. We use it sometimes for pushing (laughs) when the moms haven't had any medication and they just need that extra push. We use it sometimes if we have extensive repairs, and it's it's well-received, and it it helps our moms greatly. Mm. Well, uh, explain the difference between uh, somebody who kind of schedules their birth uh, by C-section versus someone who is actually uh, medically... uh, 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 requiring a C-section. Under what circumstances in or at what point in the birthing process uh, would uh, yourself and the team at, at the uh, Childbirth Center here at Griffin Hospital make the decision that uh, you're going to have to go to C-section? There are some planned C-sections, and those are for moms who have babies that are breech, which is, you know, feet first or butt first. Mm. Um, moms that have had... And you tell that... You, you know that in advance. So. Yes, oh, okay. yes, we know that in advance. We have some scheduled sections also for moms who have had previous C-sections and they don't want to take the risk of a vaginal birth. Mm. But our laboring moms that go and then have C-sections, it depends on the babies and the moms. If the mom's safety is in jeopardy and health and the baby's safety and jeopardy is in health, that we might make a decision to do a C-section. And that doesn't have anything to do with the person's age or physical condition. It, it, it is really kind of a uh, something that is often decided in flux uh, in, the, in the middle of the process. It is decided as the labor progresses. Very good. Um, folks, if you're just tuning in, we're uh, chatting with Marge Fisher, uh, who's the clinical director here at the Childbirth Center at Griffin Hospital in Derby. If you're interested, uh, they'd love to see you, uh, whether you have a baby, planning on having a baby, uh, you're the parent, uh, I'm sorry, the grandparent of someone who's going to have a baby, or just someone who'd like to see uh, what's new and exciting in the world of having babies and the support networks, services, and products available for little ones. You you can come out to the annual baby fair at the Childbirth Center here at Griffin Hospital uh, next Saturday, April 27th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, that's on Division Street in, Jer- in Derby. You can go to griffinhealth.org slash CBC for more information uh, or to learn more about Griffin Health and the Childbirth Center here. Uh, so, Marge, uh, w- let's talk about after the baby's born because one of the other things that I know uh, Griffin puts a lot of concentration on um, are the postpartum return visits. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. We're one of the only ones in the state that have the moms actually come back for an assessment with their babies. They come back two to three days after they deliver. We have a 96% return rate right now. Some of our moms that have babies transferred to Yale choose not to come back, but 96% of our patients come back. We're um, trying to help with the goal that Healthy People 2020 has of reducing 
um, mom's lack of returning for postpartum visits and the maternal mortality and morbidity rate is high for the United States. Um, moms really need help. We call it the fourth trimester because the first three trimesters, they're pregnant, they have the baby, and then the fourth trimester, they could have a lot of challenges. They could have increased pain, breastfeeding difficulties, increased mental health issues, coping issues, medical issues can resurface. Um, everybody thinks of uh, um, hypertension during pregnancy, but some of the mom's hypertensive issues spike after they deliver. Mm. Also with the babies, they could become very jaundiced, they can become sleepy, they can lose too much weight, they can have feeding problems, be dehydrated. The moms are sent out with tons of information, and sometimes it's it's hard to take care of the newborns. So they come back two to three days after they deliver. We do a full assessment on the mom, blood pressure, vital signs, um, check the mom's uterus, make sure everything's healing properly. We do a full assessment on the baby. We weigh them. We do a jaundice assessment, um, feeding issues. We watch them breastfeed if they're breastfeeding, go over formula feeding if they're doing that. Um, sometimes we run into concerns, and we'll call the OBs for the moms. We'll call the pediatricians for the babies. We'll have them tested. We'll draw blood tests. Occasionally, we've had such severe <laughs> symptoms, like in a mom who's got a really high blood pressure, that they've gone from their postpartum return visit up to ICU for preeclampsia care, or mm. babies that have been that have come in that have high fevers, and they're dehydrated, and we've transferred them to Yale for admission. So mm. we are catching some things. Um, that well, are a, dangerous. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a, it's a real tightrope walk in those days and weeks after a baby is born because the concentration just naturally laser focuses on the baby. And even the mom herself may not, uh, you know, know that something's wrong. She just knows that she just uh, gave birth to this uh, new life. And uh, uh, maybe there's a lot of assumptions going on when they don't necessarily feel right. And the assumption is, oh, this is just part of just having a baby. But it could be really dangerous, right? Absolutely can be dangerous. And there's so much education given to them by the doctors and the nurses in the hospital that they don't absorb it all. So coming back for this postpartum return visit enables us to reassess and re-educate. There's also a huge um, push on determining postpartum depression patients now and helping them before it becomes severe. You know, baby blues is pretty normal because you're overwhelmed, mm. but there are cases of postpartum depression that lead to very tragic outcomes. Mm. So helping to close the loop on assessing our patients even at two to three days is a interim help before they go back to their OBs or, or seek other professional help. Okay. Well, before we send you back to the moms and babies, Marge, uh, let's talk about before the child is born because that's another critical period because uh, while the uh, overwhelming attention is being put on what's going to be happening in the coming weeks and months, um, it's really important for these moms to get off on the right step. And you guys have a, a template for success here with your uh, uh, childbirth education program. Yes, we offer prepared childbirth classes, which are very well attended. They're offered every month. It goes over everything from how you feel, what to look for, what to watch for in your baby's movements, 
your blood pressure, what the signs are of high blood pressure, nutrition, and just general warning signs to call your physician for, and also breastfeeding for beginners. So even before you deliver your baby, there's a class that teaches you what it's all about, what the physiology is about, how you're going to feel, how you can become successful. A lot of moms ask, how how am I ever going to go back to work? So they even discuss that before the moms even deliver. Excellent. Uh, other additional support here at Griffin's Childbirth Center includes nursing moms support group and a pregnancy and postpartum rehab program, all available for you. And you can find out a lot more about it by going to griffinhealth.org slash CBC. We're really excited to uh, meet and chat with Marge Fisher. She's the clinical director of the Childbirth Center. Don't forget, Griffin Hospital welcomes you next Saturday, April 27th from 10 to 2 here at the Childbirth Center, right in downtown Derby. Easy to get to just off uh, Route 8 or Route 34 if you're coming down from Danbury or from the 84 corridor. Uh, the annual baby fair here at the Childbirth Center at Griffin, 10 to 2, April 27th. Lots of product, lots of information, lots of demonstrations. Uh, anything you uh, might want to know about uh, getting ready to have a baby, taking care of a newborn or young child, uh, or if uh, that is just something that is out there in the future or you have a loved one who's about to or just recently had a baby, uh, folks uh, like my guest, Marge Fisher, will welcome you here to Griffin Hospital. Uh, Marge, we want to thank you for taking some time. Uh, we know you're busy here at the Childbirth Center uh, all the time, uh, so we appreciate the information this morning. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Everybody, come on down to the fair, and if you can't, we also offer tours during the week. You can call 732-7252. Great. That's 203-732-7252 if you'd like to check a tour, or go to griffinhealth.org slash CBC once again for information on the Childbirth Fair or uh, anything about the Childbirth Center. They'll be happy to help. I've come to Danbury this morning, and so far I've been in a subway station, in a basketball court, and in a room filled from floor to ceiling with Legos, and another room full of corn kernels that I neglected to jump in and play around in. But that's just because we're here at the home office, if you will, of Family and Children's Aid, a child-focused nonprofit that serves communities throughout Western and Central Connecticut with high-quality, innovative mental health care. Uh, it is for children and their families. And these folks have been around for a couple of hundred years uh, doing this type of service, so they certainly know what they're doing. We've got some really exciting events to tell you about if you're into something uh, like yoga or maybe you've got a kid who's interested in baseball and maybe they'd like to meet some uh, uh, former major league players. Well, we're going to tell you about opportunities for that uh, at four future events coming up uh, thanks to Family and Children's Aid. So stick around for that. In the meantime, uh, I'm sitting here at their Danbury office with Allison Carballo and Katie Horowitz. Allison has been working here for some time in the development 
open office, and today is Katie's first day. So perfect day to uh, put her on the radio as an official <laughs> spokesperson uh, for Family and Children's Aid. But we won't do that yet, Katie. Uh, we're going to come back and talk to you, though. Uh, Allison, great to uh, uh, be here. A fantastic, uh, it just, uh, uh, it seems like uh, you walk into the door and, and an entire universe of, uh, of stuff opens up. And I have to tell you, I, I can't put myself into the head of a small child who has undergone trauma, but I have to think with all of the doors and all of the little secret and cool closet spaces with all kinds of hands-on activities that just the immersion into this building has to begin some sort of a positive therapeutic experience for the uh, troubled and challenged families that come here. Yes, that's exactly right. And it's funny that you should say a whole other universe. You may have noticed when you walk through the doors, we have the universe on the ceiling in our waiting room. We want that immersive experience to happen as soon as our children come in and to feel like, wow, this is really a cool place that I could come and not necessarily to fear what they're going to be talking about, but to be excited about the opportunity to come here and to engage in play and to just have, you know, the chance to be a kid again while also getting that um, healing therapy. So 200-plus years of service in this line of work uh, serving children and families uh, uh, says a lot about both the effectiveness of the programming and the way that these programs and uh, family and children's aid is embraced uh, probably by the growing number of communities that have uh, become host towns to other family and children's aid offices. That's correct. We actually have seven physical locations, but we are serving over 100 cities and towns because we have 20-something programs. Um, We keep evolving in a very purposeful way to meet the needs of the communities and just make sure that we're doing all the best that we can to help kids and their families when they're in a time of need. Um, So we're in Danbury in our our home campus. This building that you've walked into, this is just one of 15 buildings here. We also have a homeless shelter for moms and kids, group homes for adolescent boys and girls, therapeutic aftercare program. We could take over your whole segment and still not be able to tell. Yeah, yeah, there's just so much um, because the needs of kids these days are really just growing. And we're, we're really just thankful that we're able to be here for them, mm-hmm. offer a safe haven. So I, I guess I'm wondering with 200 years plus of successful operation, what percentage of the people who you embrace here at Family and Children's Aid actually have heard about you or been told about you and walk through the door on their own power versus being referred to you by a judicial, law enforcement, human services, or other um, secondary or escort entity, if you will? You know, I would say that percentage is very small, to be honest. We are our own best-kept secret. So having the chance to tell you about what we're doing here and that Family and Children's Aid is a place that has these services available is so huge. Um, You know, 
people don't tend to think of things like this until they have the situation where they might need these services. So, um, you know, we tend to do different events in the community to help to raise awareness about what Family and Children's Aid is and also that we are here. Mm. Uh, Sadly, also, as we have talked so often on the award-winning For the People, uh, not just as the opioid epidemic has Mm -hmm. erupted and sustained, sadly, um, but going all the way back 27, 28 years to the beginning of, of this, uh, my tenure on the program, uh, you guys have a very innovative and uh, apparently highly successful adolescent outpatient substance abuse program, ABC. Yes. Uh, this is something that is uh, quite needed, and I think people uh, who may not uh, know somehow, uh, people who may not really know or be attached to an individual with a, a substance abuse problem as an adult, never mind uh, an adolescent or a child, they're thinking they, 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 they can't possibly sustain a business, but sadly, you folks serve a lot of young people with substance abuse. Yes, that's correct, and that's one of our relatively new programs. We actually started that program about, I think it's four years now, and the you know, need for it just continues to grow so exponentially. It's something that, you know, no one can really fathom. Um, but it's it's a really amazing program, and we're helping so many adolescents sometimes before we hope they have, you know, started this um, spiral into any kind of um, substance abuse. But if we've identified that someone may be in their home, a parent, a guardian, a sibling, um, if they're at risk, we can try to help before it starts. Um, But we're realistic in knowing that today's environment, a lot of these things, you know, just say no isn't what's working. Um, So we're giving them tools and ways to manage things in a totally different way. And it's just a very amazing program. You guys are also part of the Life is Good uh, family of growing agencies that are um, uh, either training and or staffing playmakers. Uh, Tell us a a little bit about that for folks that may not have heard of it. I'm sure uh, they've seen the Life is Good uh, various logos, especially on the back of many Jeeps driving around. But uh, (laughs) uh, what is that Life is Good thing all about? Uh, Because a lot of people probably just think it's a a pleasant message when, in fact, it's a huge, uh, they're seeing the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. Right. I mean, it's really a movement. Um, Life is Good has a kids foundation that started this whole philosophy of um, playmakers. And a playmaker is someone who helps a child heal through the power of play at a crucial moment in their lives. So I'm actually a trained playmaker. And as you said, I'm in the development department. So I'm not necessarily working hands-on with the kids But our whole staff goes through the training so that we can all share this philosophy. So it's a philosophy of optimism. And once you have optimism, all these good things can grow. So even in the dark, if you have some kind of light, um, you can have, we call them superpowers. So some of our superpowers are very simple. They're fun, love, humor, openness, simplicity, authenticity. Um, It's just, you know, having our kids take a hold of even one of those and having it. Um, But we also share that with our staff because our staff take on a lot of trauma here too. So having that, you know, 
we're all sharing that feeling. Mm. Um, and then we're all able to have these tools in our toolkit to help kids in a different way. So you say innovative, the room that we were in where you mentioned the basketball court, the corn mm. room, we call that our Life is Good Playmakers Village. And it's actually the only kind in the country. And we are currently building another one in Waterbury so that we can help the kids who need it there too. Well, being a Waterbury boy myself, I can't wait to visit uh, as it uh, as it gets completed. Um, uh, uh, another kind of catchphrase that uh, people may have seen or heard the branding on, but don't really understand, is the peace love movement. And you guys bring that therapeutic art uh, situation here to a family and children's aid. Uh, talk a little bit about that. So, peace love is an amazing program. Um, it's really offering us just another side to be able to get this this innovative kind of therapy for our kids. So we have Life is Good upstairs where we have the power of play to help kids heal. And then actually it's right next door to us is our Peace Love Art Therapy Room, which is all about finding peace of mind. So we have creators who are trained by Peace Love who are able to do different sets of workshops. So it's a series of them. They're all you know thought out. It's very um, specific steps. And they're able to do things like, there's one that's my favorite, um, where they, it's called transformation collages. And they take something bad that's happened to them, and they will write it down. So, dear bad habits. And they'll write it all out. And then they take it and they tear it up into little pieces. And instead of throwing those pieces away, they are able to um, transform it into something beautiful. Because those things have... They've made you who you are, so you can't forget them. You can't toss them, but you take hold of them and turn into something else. Such so as one of the many uh, workshops that we do in there, and it's it's really amazing. Fantastic. Allison Carballo is chatting with us here. We're also uh, pleased to uh, be with Katie Horowitz, who is on her first day working here at Family and Children's Aid. We're going to talk to her uh, in just a couple minutes because she has a particular area of uh, talent that uh, is going to be tied into one of their upcoming events. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and come back and visit more with Family and Children's Aid. If you're interested in this child-focused nonprofit organization, uh, as you're hearing, they would welcome you if you are in a uh, situation where you feel you may need uh, to benefit from one of their myriad services uh, and uh, locations uh, throughout Western and Central Connecticut. As you heard, they serve over 100 of the 169 municipalities in Connecticut, and their tenure is 200-plus years uh, with the successful uh, addressing of uh, and their goal toward uh, children and society, uh, uh, children being society's most valuable assets. So we're going to come back and talk more with Allison and Katie in just a few minutes. Stick uh, with us here. Do you love Connecticut? If you do, there are hundreds of nonprofit agencies, community groups, and grassroots causes that would love to have your support. You can learn about them through Love CT. Just go to our radio station website, hit the event guide tab, and click on to Love CT to help the many causes supported by Connoisseur Media. I'm Director of Public Affairs, John Voquette. We'll be back to the award-winning For the People right after this news. 
The 2019 Socks for All Drive is happening Sunday, May 5th from 9.30 to noon in front of the Walmart store in Naugaduck on New Haven Road. Hosted by the young professionals of Waterbury Region, Y Power, their division of the Waterbury Regional Chamber, they're accepting new socks and monetary donations which are needed for newborns, children, and adults. All donations will help support local area charitable organizations, including the Annie C. Courtney Foundation, Acts for Ministry, Carolyn's Place, Naugatuck Youth Services, St. Vincent de Paul Mission of Waterbury, and Wheeler Clinic. Monetary donations are also welcome. You can bring a check to the regional chamber offices at 83 Bank Street in Waterbury or mail your donation to Sock Drive at the Waterbury Regional Chamber, 83 Bank Street, Waterbury, 06702 through May 15th. If you'd like more information or you missed anything we just said, visit waterburychamber.com. All right. Well, if you're uh, joining us or you joined us uh, prior to our uh, our break, uh, maybe you heard some rumblings in the background and, and you're wondering if we're in a subway station. But in fact, uh, just one of the seemingly dozens and dozens of different kinds of locations in the Danbury office, which we understand are now going to be uh, somewhat replicated in Waterbury, uh, is this cool kind of faux subway that people can go on and uh, actually has all the sound effects and the uh, the entry areas like a subway station with donated uh, clothing and uh, books and toys and things. Uh, uh, just one of the many spaces here at the Danbury headquarters of Family and Children's Aid. Uh, Allison, at this point, because I, I neglected to write it down, uh, let folks know what the website is. Is it just family, uh, familyandchildrensaid.org? You know what? I think that was taken. So we are actually FCA, as in Family Children's Aid, web.org. So fcaweb.org is the website. Excellent. FCAweb.org. If you want to find out more about this organization, uh, perhaps get involved as a volunteer, make a donation, or you know someone who could benefit from one of their many services, we've already talked about a few of them, including their Better Choice Adolescent Outpatient Substance Abuse Program. Uh, But uh, a couple of the other things we want to talk about are uh, the locations aside from where they do their core business, and those are their various uh, shelters. They've got a therapeutic adolescent group home for boys as well as one for girls. Uh, uh, They have therapeutic foster care and adoptive services as well as a... um an additional uh, home for mothers and children, homeless mothers and children. It's called Harmony House Shelter. Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, these locations where people actually come, uh, Allison, to reside for some period of time. Yes, so our residential programs make up one arm of what we do. And you mentioned the boys' group home. We have a girls' group home, and those are for adolescents. Um, We also have as you said, Harmony House, which is a shelter that holds up to 16 moms and children at any given time. Um, While it's not a domestic shelter, um, you know, domestic violence shelter, we do have a lot of moms who are fleeing from those kinds of situations. Um, You know, others, they just find themselves in this situation and um, they end up leaving with nothing but the clothes on their back. The same with our kids in therapeutic foster care. Um, you know, so any anything that 
the community can do to help us, uh, we, we so appreciate because that's how we get them back on their feet. Um, we also have a short-term stay home for kids who are going through a traumatic breakdown, um, and those actually are all in our Danbury campus. As I did mention, we have seven physical locations, Danbury, Waterbury, New Britain, New Milford, Torrington, Shelton, did I say seven? <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of those house are um, in-home programs. So we have an in-home component, too, where we will go and help out and do therapy in the homes. Um, Child First is one of them. We have ICAPS, which is a Yale-based model, which is a very large program um, across the state. Great. Well, uh, another way for people to get to know Family and Children's Aid is through its events. Uh, and there's a couple uh, exciting ones coming. Uh, people don't have to actually be affiliated with Family and Children's Aid to come to this yoga activity. Tell us about that. That's correct. So we're very excited. This is going to be our first um, yoga day ever. It's a yoga day for FCA. We're calling it Love Hope Yoga um, because that really explains what we're trying to do. So we've partnered up with Basel Yoga Studios in Ridgefield, and we're going to be holding this on April 27th. Um, it's a Saturday. It's going to be all day. So basically every hour from 9 till 3, we're going to have a different yoga class. And on our website, you can find all that information on fcaweb.org. And it has um, each class will say what it's for. So we have um, gentle yoga. We have something for beginners. We have family classes. So if you've ever wanted to um, go but you have no one to watch your kids, you can bring them. Um, it's going to be a really great day. So it's for the community at St. Mary's School in Ridgefield. It's going to be in their gymnasium. Um, and we're just very excited and, and grateful that Basel Yoga is going to be doing all these classes classes for us. Great. Well, that gives us a chance to give Allison Carballo just a breather. Uh, she's been uh, going and going since we opened the segment this morning. Uh, but we're going to meet Katie Horowitz because uh, it's her first day, and everybody's first day <laughs> should include a, a guest spot on a radio program, I, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Katie, uh, ba- what's your background, and what brought you to uh, apply for this work at Family and Children's Aid? Yeah, so my background is um, I worked in the development team for a nonprofit, um, working with people with disabilities. Um, I actually, no, actually it's in Westchester. Um, it's in Valhalla, New York. Um, I'm also a yoga instructor, so I think this is perfect for this upcoming event. Um, so I have background working with children as well, um, teaching yoga uh, to children. Well then, uh, tell us how, in your opinion, yoga can really serve anyone of any age. Certainly, we've seen yogis in their 90s uh, at our Newtown Yoga Fest uh, uh, and tiny little children doing it. Uh, It is a global movement. Um, Certainly, it's got to be doing a lot of good, but particularly uh, coming from uh, uh, the nonprofit world uh, and human services, uh, how can yoga especially be effective for people who are dealing with trauma or crisis? Mm -hmm. Well, yoga it, so yoga is a, definitely a, a global thing, but it mainly helps people quiet the mind. And I think that's so um, true because it's just a way to connect your breath and your, your body as one. Um, and it's so different from, you know, going out for a run or lifting weights because it's so like a, such a synchronization of your body and your mind and your breath. And you don't have to get all suited up and, and, and tangled up in crazy positions. It's something that in a moment 
of angst or trauma you can call upon to recenter, right? Yes, correct. And also what I teach mainly is if you have any thoughts that come to your head, um, letting the breath kind of just let that go out of your, your mind, like like clouds in the sky passing by. That's mm-hmm. what I say. Oh, that's a great way to think of it. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Uh, Katie Horowitz, uh, new to the development team here at Family and Children's Aid. So uh, here we are, springtime, the Final Four is over, and so everyone's thoughts should be turning toward baseball. And uh, appropriately, Family and Children's Aid has uh, at least four upcoming events uh, that will incorporate visitors from Major League Baseball uh, to work with young people, right? That's correct. We just had a great one um, in March, and we're looking forward to the next lineup for our MLB uh, clinic series. So we have one on May 5th in Wilton. We have another one June 8th in New Milford, June 28th in Danbury, and then July 20th in Waterbury. All of those are Saturdays except for May 5th. Um, So they will be from 9 to 12, but May 5th in Wilton will be on Sunday from 2 to 5. And you can sign up for those for free. Um, Everyone who comes will get an authentic Rawlings MLB um, baseball that the players will stay and autograph. So it's really very exciting for these kids. They get to meet all these players. They get to learn from them. And it's not just baseball skills. We're also teaching life skills, too. Um, So we just love this partnership we have with the MLB Alumni Association. And being able to bring this to the community, it's just a win-win for everyone. And gives us a reason to, you know, share in a positive way what Family and Children's Aid is doing. Excellent. Well, much like the uh, multitude of, uh, of doors and rooms and features at their home office here, uh, way too much to talk about in one segment. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting here with a punch list of just their major services, and I, I think I have less than half of them checked off having been talked about in this segment. So much more for you to learn going to fcaweb.org for Family and Children's Aid. Don't forget their yoga event coming up on April 27th, as well as the next uh, baseball activity with Major League players in Wilton on May 5th. Uh, they would love to hear from you. Uh, oh, 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 a, oh, a golf outing. Okay, we're, we're almost out of town, yep, uh, out of time, but May 20th? May 20th, we're having a golf outing at Richter Park in Danbury, and we have um, MLB great Sparky Lyle, who is mm-hmm. a former Red, Red Sox player and Yankees player, who's going to be our special guest. So, so, every, so all happy. you Red Sox and Yankees fans can be somehow made happy <laughs> in one place. Everyone can uh, get along. Even, <laughs> yeah, even out on the uh, big spread of Richter Park Golf Course. We try. So Family and Children's Aid believes that seeking help is a sign of strength. They want to hear from you if you need help, if you have a child who needs help, if you know a family or love someone, or a coworker or a schoolmate with someone in crisis, refer them to Family and Children's Aid. They believe excellent care should be available to individuals and families in all, of all walks of life whenever needed, and uh, they certainly have the myriad locations to be able to serve you uh, near your home. Once again, visit them at fcaweb.org for all the information. We want to thank Katie Horowitz, day one here at Family and Children's Aid, and you'll probably see her at the yoga event uh, coming up on uh, April 27th, and Allison Carvalho, both in the development department. Uh, Thanks for hosting us here uh, at Family and Children's Aid offices in Danbury. Psyched to see what you guys create in Waterbury, and we'll visit you again soon. Thank you all. Thank you.
right. Well, uh, folks may recall back to around this time last year uh, uh, when we were visiting at the Boardwalk Marina and our friend Scott Mitchell. And we are back because uh, we are just in front of an opportunity to call on anyone who cares anything about the environment or who just wants to do some good deeds on a nice spring day to come out for the Stratford Green Sweep and Housatonic River Cleanup 2019. You could pick your staging spot either up in Shelton if you're listening to us up in the valley or the greater Waterbury area and you want to zip down Route 8, head over to the Sunnyside Boat Ramp or down here uh, if you're coming up uh, or down 95 or the Parkway and you want to get started uh, in being involved, you can go to the Bird's Eye Boat Ramp on the Stratford-Milford line. Uh, we're going to talk to Scott Mitchell about this event, Scott, that uh, while it hasn't been a continuous thing, uh, it has been going strong for over 30 years. That is correct. We've dropped out, I think, three years total. But other than that, we've been here straight through. So how long have you been uh, working on and playing on the Housatonic River yourself? I have been involved with the Housatonic River for about 20 years. It started with the upper Housatonic above all the dams. So you're uh, way up in Litchfield County area? That is correct, up in Litchfield County, and now we're all the way down here to the mouth of the river. Excellent. So uh, tell me about your involvement with this um, river cleanup. I am one of the uh, commissioners involved with the project. We um, have about six or seven of us that are a strong team to get everything in place, organized, supplies, corporations, people, schools, fire departments, public works, to get together and take out tons and tons of trash. Well, fishing season has begun, and as I was driving down here and I was looking out uh, along the river, there was already a lot of boats out there, a lot of folks fishing, a little cold for uh, for water skiing and such today, but uh, uh, a lot of folks fishing, a lot of cars parked along the side of the road. I'm assuming they're, uh, they're down on the riverbanks fishing. Uh, so uh, now is the time for these uh, types of cleanups to really uh, play an important role in making sure that not only are people safe if they're operating boats or watercraft or out on the banks of the river, uh, but it's also important, I guess, uh, to kind of refresh the environmental quality of the river because winter tends to throw a lot of debris in, right? That is correct. When you think about winter and, you know, snow melt and street trash and everything that works its way further and further down, well, the final resting place, unfortunately, is the river. So tell me about the uh, kinds of uh, folks you have. I know individuals are welcome to this, but this kind of event really kind of not only gets uh, two abutting communities together with Stratford and Shelton, but also uh, brings out a lot of uh, service groups and uh, even folks who need community service hours. That is correct. And I would like also to add that this year the town of Milford has stepped up quite a bit and they are participating um, to many different levels but it is important to get everything from the kids that are cub scouts to the sea scouts to the adults that want to take a care of the environment that we live in and i always say to everybody when they ask well what's the real goal of this thing how big do you want it to get how small is it this that and the other the real goal is to get you know six seven hundred people out here a thousand people cleaning up trash teaching kids that for what they throw somewhere has a consequence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be a good steward for uh, 
the environment and have a good time. I mean, we find some very interesting things when we clean the river. We find some scary things. We have all kinds of different things going on. And I think it's, you know, everybody feels like they're part of something and part of something good that everybody around here uses. And I guess the bottom line is if it doesn't naturally come out of the river and it goes into the river, there is some potential for environmental uh, or human harm. There is definitely for environmental and human harm. You can look at plastic and what it does to sea animals all over the internet, from plastic bags from grocery stores to looking like jellyfish that turtles are eating mm-hmm. to any of this stuff. I think of it this way. If the government can't figure out a way to get rid of plastic bottles, at least we'll clean up the mess for them. And even if folks are uh, very hardy and they're using their boats kind of year-round, this is a day to uh, put away the water skis, uh, put away the fishing gear, and maybe if you have a, a boat Uh, to lend that watercraft to this effort, right? That is correct. We invite all people with boats to show up at either boat ramp Bird's Eye or um, Shelton at Sunnyside and have you come in and get a bunch of guys together or people together and disperse and hit the islands and do the, uh, the trash that needs to be picked up here, the the buckets that are in the water over there, whatever it may be, is just a huge help. And how about when those many boats full of uh, debris get back to the landings? Um, do you also need some folks uh, to help you shuttle that stuff to its final resting place? Uh, yes, we do. Most of it goes into dumpsters and whatnot. The heavier stuff seems to come to Bird's Eye, where we have Public Works of Stratford helping out and moving and uh, displacing all of that trash into the right spots. Um, so from there, it's just a matter of getting the people from the boats to the water. The other thing that I want to say here too, is not everybody has to get in a boat. Not everybody has to get wet. Mm -hmm. We have miles and miles of shoreline. You can come here to the dock shopping center if you want. There's trash to be picked up here. There's trash to be picked up anywhere along the marshes, up and down the whole Houstonic River, mm-hmm. in between dams, not in between dams, wherever. All we're asking is come out, do a little bit, help out just enough, and together it makes a big effort. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, at least in Stratford, isn't this cleanup effort sort of community-wide and incorporating both the downtown and a lot of the neighborhoods? Yes, it is. And it also includes a lot of the parks now, too, with the Green Sweep program. Um, so we thought it would be a good effort to join the two forces together. And this way here we have people on land that, that can do their thing. We have trucks that come through and pick up trash or you're not bringing the stuff back in your car. You say, hey, over at Elm Street, we got four bags. Someone goes and gets it. Mm. We appreciate the effort that everybody does. We give you gloves. We give you bags. We give you pickers. And uh, you get a cool T-shirt to, to remember what happened. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back next year, too. Great. So even folks with the pickups and the vans can come in handy, uh, especially down Stratford Way, where you may be assigned to go do something that's uh, inland from the waterways, which is cool. So this is April 27th uh, from 8 in the morning till at least 2 p.m. Once again, we said you can start at the Sunnyside Boat Ramp in Shelton or down here on the Stratford-Milford line at Bird's Eye Boat Ramp. So uh, rain or shine, right? Rain or shine. Um, We're hoping for shine, right? Exactly. And and what do people uh, need to wear? Uh, Obviously, if it's like monsoon rain, they need to be be accommodating that. But um, what are some of the important things that people need to bring? I would say the average person, if you can bring and dress appropriately with a T-shirt, a hoodie on top, and a decent pair of pants and some boots or waterproof shoes as close as you can get, 
you're going to be in good shape. We're going to give you the gloves. We, you know, those kinds of things are available. And if it gets too cold, you can put your hood up. If it gets too wet, we understand too. So those are important. And, and if people already have plans for doing something else that day, there's still an opportunity for them to help with some sort of donations to support the cause or the crews? That is correct. We are always looking for donations, uh, whether they are food, whether they are garbage bags, whether they are a case of water. Again, this is all about every little piece coming together and helping the cause. Great. Anything else folks need to know about the event or uh, anything else you want to say about the cruise, sponsors, anything like that? Well, number one, we'd like to thank all of our sponsors. I think without them, we really couldn't do this. I'd like to thank all the other board members and say, guys, thanks for all these years of putting in the effort and letting us get this done. And to all the towns and all the, the resources they're giving, thank you. And to everyone who's going to come out and have a good time, I say do that. Don't make it a chore. Make it a good time because that's what it is. And it does such a, an important, uh, it is such an important effort uh, both uh, for uh, the environment along the Housatonic River between Shelton and the Sound, but also for the quality of life of people who not only live there, but who visit there. So many folks come from all over Connecticut to enjoy the Housatonic River, and uh, then they go back to their homes. And as you kind of said before we turned on the mic this morning, uh, you know, it's important uh, to not leave any of yourself behind. That is definitely true. And you know, around here we have lots of beaches we have lots of public access and that kind of stuff my parents always taught me to leave it cleaner than when you got there so let's just hope we can all make it a lot cleaner than when we got there this year Fantastic. The 2019 Stratford Green Sweep and Housatonic River Cleanup is coming up on April 27th from 8 to 2. Once again, if you're just joining us, we'd like you to show up at the Sunnyside Boat Ramp up in Shelton or down here in Stratford at the Bird's Eye Boat Ramp uh, and be part of the change and the difference that you can make uh, to the environment that you love so much here in Connecticut. We want to thank our host again this year, Scott Mitchell at Boardwalk Marina, uh, for uh, spokesing uh, for this cause uh, so important uh, for him and so many of his clients as well. So, Scott, thanks for having us. Good luck with the event, and we'll see you on April 27th for the Stratford Green Sweep and Housatonic River Cleanup. Thank you very much, and thank for your support as well. You've been listening to our award-winning public affairs program for the people. The opinions expressed on this broadcast represent those of our guests and hosts. If you have a suggestion for a guest, an issue, or a PSA relevant to the audience and communities we serve, you must make a request for airtime in writing to me via email at john.voket. That's john.voket at connoisseurct.com. We do not accept pitches or requests for coverage by phone. Remember, no part of this program may be copied, disseminated, or rebroadcast without permission of Connoisseur Media. Our public file reflecting the full scope of our station's responsiveness to critical issues in the communities we serve can be reviewed upon request during normal business hours at 440 Wheeler's Farms Road in Milford or on our station website. Our theme music is by Rick Miller and Scott's with original music by Noel Viette. 
I'm Director of Public Affairs, John Voquette. Join us again at this time next week for more conversation and important information on the award-winning For the People. Don't forget, you can listen to this and other For the People podcasts anytime on iTunes or under the podcast tab on our station's website. Until this time next week, thanks for listening.